Well, I'd like to pray with you for a moment. What a beautiful hymn. Just saying, Lord, press this idea that Christ would be magnified and song before that. That God the Father sent the Son, and that you're here by your Spirit. We welcome you, triune God. We acknowledge that you are absolutely holy. The thing that's so welcoming is that because of Jesus, not because of our actions, because of what he did. So we feel so grateful to be able to be in relationship with you. It actually says in Ephesians, we're in the throne room because of Christ. So we, we want more than that. It's always more than that. We invite you through your word now to speak into our life really practical ways, because it's a very practical book. So there's, it's really incumbent on us to just an open book now and invite you to speak into our life. We invite you to do that. In Jesus' name. So many people thrive at this time of year. Many people love this time of year, but... More and more people, at least that I come across, I find they may thrive some, but at the same time, there's a level of confusion, a level sometimes of discouragement, of, of being alone or hurting, or especially of being overwhelmed. They might be thriving, but they're feeling overwhelmed in the busy Christmas season. So what I want to do is just talk for three weeks in very practical ways, about more of what matters. About f- more of what matters. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So if you have your Bible or your device, I'm going to invite you to turn to a very well-known passage of Scripture, the book of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament, the fourth biography, the fourth gospel about the life of Jesus. John chapter 14 And we're going to begin reading in verse 1 through verse 6. And there's so many things that we could talk about based on these verses. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Listen to what Jesus says to his leadership team, his disciples, and to us. What's cool stuff. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where we're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
There's so many things we could address from this passage, just numbers of issues. They're very comforting. They're very inviting words from Jesus. We could talk about what heaven will be like. He says, I'm going and I'm going to custom design a place for you. We could talk about the fact that God can be trusted. He says that in verse one. We could talk about the fact that at the end of his mission here on earth, in Acts chapter one, Jesus rose up into the sky and he's talking about this. I'm going to ascend to the right hand of the father. And if I do that, one day soon, I will come back in similar manner. We could talk about the central message of the Christian faith, that Jesus offers himself for you. He gave his life for you. And he says that this offering on your behalf is the exclusive, unique pathway into a relationship with the holy God that we just sang about minutes ago. He's saying in this central message, I died in your place for your sins so that forgiveness could be available. Some people choose to receive this. Sadly, many people don't. And when they do, they receive forgiveness and cleansing exclusively from Christ. Salvation, direction in life. Talk about the sentence that so many people express. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We often focus on, at least people like me, preacher boys like me, focus on the fact that Jesus is the center of truth. And he is the center of truth. And that truth literally provides life. We need to know the truth. And the truth the scripture says will actually set us free. But I think more rarely, we don't talk as much about the way of Jesus, the way he lived. And so as I give these little practical messages as we are thriving, but maybe also feeling a little overwhelmed, we're seeking to address the idea of more of what matters. And it would seem to me to look At that, we want to look at Jesus as the way, the way he lived. You know that in the first century, people that were followers of Jesus were not called Christians. They weren't called Bible thumpers. They weren't called holy rollers or any other expressions that you might have heard about people like this. Actually, in the book of Acts, which is the story of the church as it began to open up and flourish. These spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, demon-crushing, self-sacrificing people were called people of the way. There was something about the way they did life that was demonstrably different than the people around them. People of the way. And so they didn't, if you read the book, you realize they didn't just have right theology. In other words, they didn't just think about God and the things of God properly. Their goal was to live and love the way Jesus lived, the way Jesus loved. 
So for example, just let me give you an example. The scripture says that he was full of joy. Even though he had not an easy life by any measurable standards, he was full of joy. We are often categorized as the most, at this time in history, the people the most filled with stress and anxiety. And people study people in general, full of stress and anxiety. Jesus was full of joy. We can't seem to pray for three minutes without letting ourselves be interrupted by the next text message. When you read the life of Jesus, especially as it's expressed, and there's other things in the Bible, he's seen in every book of the Bible, but really his life story is in these four biographies of his life. When you read his life, he was always walking. It's one of the things you notice about him. He never, he never scurried anywhere. He never ran from one town to the next. Even though there was throngs of people following him, even though he was engaged all the time, he seemed unhurried. I don't know about you, but at times I find myself hurrying to become a person I don't even like. Hurrying to become a person I don't want to be. Craig Rochelle put it this way. The way I've been doing the work of God was destroying the work of God in me. And so, Craig, and, and I hope myself, and I, I trust you as well, good intentions, right? Good intentions. A sincere love for Jesus. But, but this inner push to go harder, harder, harder. Because that's the way it's perceived to be successful. And so you push, you drive, you conquer, and that, for some reason, we think is the only way to be happy. Is that really true? Or is that more about becoming a person you really don't want to be? It was the way of Jesus. The way he did life. One of the things he said in Matthew 11, just listen to what he said. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you're a city boy like me, you might not know what a yoke is. And so uh, Amethyst is going to put a picture of a yoke up on the screen there. It's a wooden cross piece that joins two animals together. In order for them to work together to accomplish more, to work at the same pace, to work in tandem, to work in partnership. And Jesus is saying in these verses in Matthew, he's saying, hey, if you're exhausted, if you're feeling overwhelmed at this time, if you're feeling weary and burdened, Interesting image, he says, I want to give you a work tool for around your neck. You know, we typically, when, if we find ourselves describing ourselves as worried and exhausted and burdened, what do we often think? What we're often told, oh, you deserve a massage, that'll fix it. 
And there's nothing wrong with a massage. The next person says, well, I think the only way to fix this is just like having a bubble bath every day. Not me, but maybe some of you. Or the next person says, if I just could have this long vacation, that will fix this. Or if I could just veg for an hour or two in front of the TV every day, that will fix it. And Jesus says, I want to give you a better way. I want to invite you to be joined to me. Not just to believe the truth, which of course is crucial that you believe the truth, and I hope you do, but also to live the way that Jesus lived and to be people of the way. You ever wake up in the morning and just think, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And I would suggest that there is, and it's more of what matters. More of what matters. Not just the truth of Jesus, but the truth expressed in the way Jesus lived. And there, when you look at his life, and he's certainly busier than anybody in this room, the unhurried rhythms of grace. Maybe the greatest enemy of that life is the way we're choosing to If you look at the life of Jesus, if you know anything about it, in three short years, he fully embraced God the Father's mission. He recruits this and trains and empowers this sort of ragtag group of people that no other person in his kind of role would ever think to recruit. He endures the constant attacks of the most powerful people in that society, the most gifted, the most intelligent people who were out to get him at every turn. The Pharisees, they're coming at him all the time. They're huddling up. How can we trick him? How can we get him off mission? How can we destroy him? How can we cancel him? He resists the direct attacks and temptations of Satan himself. Satan doesn't send the B team after him. He goes at him himself. He heals all kinds of people. He loves all kinds of hurting people individually, but he also preaches fearlessly, and crowds of thousands upon thousands of people follow him everywhere. The entire nation is galvanized in coming to him. He fulfills, and this is mathematically impossible, more than 350 Old Testament prophecies about himself. In all that time, and in all that he's doing, you never see him, like I said early, scurrying somewhere. You never see him running, deeply engaged in life, but never rushed. You never read once, boys, we got to go, we're way behind schedule. And he invites us to this kind of life. And what he says in that Matthew passage is, keep company with me. Let's do this yoke thing together. And learn to live more freely and more lightly. If you do that, you'll actually recover your life. Jesus offers this invitation in which he says, 
Watch how I walk. Watch how I love. Watch how I live. You'll discover more of what actually matters. You know, it's very interesting. Given all that I just said, if you study his life, the moment he's given his commission from God the Father, okay, it's time to start your public ministry. I'm going to fill you with the Spirit, and you're going to keep on being filled with the Spirit so you can do the ministry that I've called you to. The first thing he does after that, as he starts this grand mission that changes history like nobody else has ever changed it, just a historic fact, whether you believe in God or not, this is just a historic fact. Beginning his public ministry, the first thing he does is he takes a sabbatical. Very first thing. Not a holiday. The sabbatical is not a holiday. A sabbatical is a different kind of work. And the focus of the sabbatical for Jesus was all about being rather than simply doing. And so he goes out into the wilderness, you can read about it, for 40 days. And during those 40 days, he draws close to God, he's strengthened, and then he's directly attacked by Satan. Resists and fights the evil one. And Jesus had way more to do than all of us. Way more. But never rushed. We rushed. Why are we, kind of a hard thing to admit, but why are we rushing to become what we don't really want to end up being? Well, let me suggest a few reasons. I'm not a, you know, I've had counseling training, but not a lot. I'm not a psychologist, nothing like that. But let me suggest some reasons why we might be rushing to become something we don't really intend. Maybe it's because we're running from something, running to something. So the first one kind of resonates with me. Maybe running from insignificance and running towards acceptance. That one kind of resonates with me. Maybe for you, it's running from a past failure. I crashed and burned in this area of life. I'm going to show them. Maybe you're running from someone who said something about you that deeply hurt you. That person in authority, maybe it was a teacher or something. Most teachers are so great, but once in a while, some of them aren't. And Maybe that teacher said to you, oh, you'll never be able to fulfill that dream you have in life. I'll show them. Maybe you're running from an insecurity. I'll prove them wrong. Maybe you're running from some hurt that someone perpetrated on you. I think many people are chasing a life that will leave them empty if and when they actually always rushed, always pushing it. I would say the solution is more of what matters. 
the time, the reason, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we don't really take the time for more of what matters. But probably at the heart of it is because we're spending a bunch of time on stuff that doesn't matter. Matters a whole lot less. Let me just pick three things as an illustration. There's others, but let me just, and you may not fall within this realm, but these are averages. I did some reading about three different parts of life. And you may be way above it or you may be way below it. I took numbers that were decidedly conservative. Some of the other numbers I saw were much higher than this. So the average person in North America spends 912 hours a year on social media. That's two and three quarter hours a day. You may be a lot higher than that. You may be lower than that. The average person watches 1,692 hours of TV. Some of the numbers I saw suggested 2,700 hours a year. The average, the low average I saw was 1,692. The average person plays video games. I don't play video games, but maybe you do. But the average amount of time spent on video games a year, 548 hours a year. And so if the average person works eight hours a day and you put those three together, that's 394 working days a year. Wow. Wow. If you, if you think about it, if you just spent, like, it's not that these things are bad, but if you even just did half of that, and what would happen if we took 50% of those hours and invested them in more of what matters. You know, like investing in your struggling marriage or praying for and being there and investing in your kids or in your walk with God. One of the things Jesus said, or commended at least, was the idea that the most important things in life are to love the Lord your God while your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, number one and number two thing in life. John Mark Calmer writes that love is incompatible with hurry. How do we address, let, let me give you a, a real practical thing of how we address this more of what matters. And it's just really straightforward. Really straightforward. And it's just a prayer that I've been praying lately. And I, I'd like to offer it to you and see what God does in your life. He's been doing some stuff in my life. The prayer, you don't have to use the exact words, but like this. God, help me to walk slowly enough. Experience Jesus fully and love people. Help me to walk slowly enough Experience Jesus and love people. I'd like us to just read it. Amethyst's going to put that up. Maybe she's already put it up on the screen. Let's read that together. God, help me to walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people dearly. What's going to happen? if you pray that prayer sincerely? I don't know for sure. Because Jesus deals with each of us individually, right? 
Can I share what he's beginning to do in my life? Now, don't sit there and go, I've, my response has got to be just like Scott's. No, maybe it'll come, be like mine, but likely won't. Because again, Jesus loves us enough to individually work in our life. Okay. So the first thing that um, he's beginning to teach me more about, and I know some about this, but I, I've got some more stuff to learn, is he, as I pray this and just sort of say, you know, go for it, God, he's been inviting me to be more present in the moment. Because at times I just find myself, I might be physically present with someone, but am I present mentally and emotionally and spiritually? And so I've just been discovering that he's helping me to enter more fully into the joy of hurting with people. The, the, the fulfillment that comes from celebrating with people that are celebrating. and Just to be genuinely happy with them when they're happy, but also to grieve with them when they're grieving. Very biblical thing, to weep with those that weep. But also to just be really happy when they're celebrating as well. I'm, I'm more aware that picking up my phone to look at the latest text message or whatever, is not nearly as important as the person who's in front of me. You know, so I'm just learning to leave it in my pocket. A couple of weeks ago, I really noticed this because I've been praying this. A couple weeks ago, somebody came to see me, and they spent several hours with me. And this is a person that's, really engaged in life. They oversee 500 employees, 140 different enterprises, tens of thousands of people. And when they came to see me, here's the thing I noticed about them. Very complicated life. Laser focus. Dialed in. Watching them as they're watching me. Dialed in. I began to just really appreciate more that Jesus had been doing something and has been doing something in this person's life. Teaching them more and more about the fact that people matter. They looked me in the eye focused in on me. God, help me to walk slowly enough, experience Jesus fully, love people deeply. He's also been, uh, still got lots to learn about this stuff. He's also been helping me to choose what's important and eliminate what's not. You know, I, I think there's just a lot of stuff we just kind of almost drift towards that doesn't really matter or matters less. And so I think Jesus has been inviting me to just say no to some good things in order to say yes. 
And of course, just because we say no now doesn't mean forever. Like, if you're really, if you really like, if you're a gardener, you know, you love to, you're working on your winter plants or whatever, or you are into restoring a car, this is a therapeutic hobby that you really enjoy, or you like golfing, but right now you have three little kids in the house or whatever, you may have to kind of put some of those legitimate interests on hold, at least temporarily. We all know, we've all heard this, the solution is not more time, friends. The solution is more of what matters. So we pray, help me, Lord Jesus, to sense God's presence, to recognize And as I've been praying this, I'm just beginning to notice more. Notice more. And to see him working in places I've overlooked. Walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully and love people As I was thinking about this, as Jesus walked, every time he took a step, every time he took a step, he was walking towards the cross. He was conscious of the fact that every step he took, and one of the things he just suggested to me is that Every time Jesus took a step, an action of him expressing his deep love and sacrifice. I'm going to just suggest that every time Jesus took a step, walked towards the cross, he was expressing love and sacrifice. Think about that. Knew what was coming. Says in Philippians, as we're heading into the Advent season, he humbled himself. Coming on mission. Every step he took. Step of sacrifice. Love. So it just made me ask, you know, Scott, where are you walking as you follow Jesus? What are you aiming for? Because it's not more time, it's more of what matters. So I just, here's the simple solution, the practical down-to-earth solution that I've been trying to do. And so I just invite you on the journey with me. I just invite you to pray that prayer. Pray that prayer every day, maybe multiple times a day for the next couple weeks. Then when you pray the prayer, just listen. What Jesus begins to do in reordering your life. God, help me walk slowly enough to experience Jesus fully. Love 